0: The news articles mean what they are. Uh, but when it says chaos abounding, my, you know, things surrounding me that are, my, but my soul will trust in you. That's, that's God's word for us this morning. Amen. That is, that is so good that he, would, that he would do that for us. That he would just move all things, even the little things, like songs we sing on Sunday morning together for his glory. That's just something he worked out. and he is, he is so good to us. So, so patiently. And merciful and kind. We're going to continue to sing, but I hope that your heart is in this, and I hope that you are you are offering it all to the Lord, because He is so worthy. He's so good, and even in dark places and dark times, His presence is among us, and that's that's just. direction.
1: He does make beautiful things. Amen. We are in a series called The God in Me. And the wonderful part about this entire discussion, one we've we've shared how this is what Jesus wanted to tell his disciples just before he died. As he knew he was going to be leaving them and and going away, he said, there's something important I need to say to you. And the primary thrust of his discussion with them was that I'm leaving, but because I'm leaving, I'm I'm sending someone in my stead. And this person that I'm sending is also God. I am God. He is also God. The difference will be that he will live in you, not just with you. And I, I think we the, the gravity of that is so hard to grasp because we say, we think in our minds, we even think all the time, I think this all the time, you may not think it at all, but I think this all the time, I think wish Jesus was here. I, I wish Jesus was right here in our presence that the person of Jesus Christ would walk in the door and we would all see him and be able to touch him and feel him and so forth. But what Jesus is saying is, i am here i'm i'm not just in the room i'm in you you see before when jesus would come to a town the people would come to town, see the works of jesus and then he would go on to the next town and if you were in another town maybe your town never had a visit from jesus maybe you never came and now he's like now i can be in every town wherever My people are, who have me in them. There I am, and that's why he gives the statements like, where two or more are gathered together, there I am in their midst. But it's not just that's that's a church coming together. That but it's it's like even if just one of you is there, there I am in your midst. The two or more is just, uh, it goes back to needing two witnesses in order to verify something is valid or true. It just affirms, oh, this is, uh, it was a way of, if you had somebody accused of something or you were trying to make something claim, it took two people to validate something and to bring truth to it. So when we come together, we join, something even more amazing happens as we join together with one another. Now there's an affirmation that what we're talking about is true and he has affirmed it by bringing multiple people together but that doesn't change the fact that if you're by yourself God is still in you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today we're talking about a particular aspect of God and that is that he is our guidance counselor now I'm going to tell you a tale of two counselors. I, I know that every, I've, in fact, I was listening to some, uh, some graduation speech or whatever, and she had some really ugly things to say about her guidance counselor in school. And I, we had two guidance counselors, and um, I'm just going to tell you the names because I don't think there's anything secret here. I'm um, going to share. But one was Ms. Brown, and one was Ms. McGann. And Mrs. Brown has gone on to be with the Lord, and she was a godly woman. She never married. She was a single woman, and I think she was a guidance counselor, I don't know, for 232 years. It was amazing. She she retired, yet she continued to work every day. She would come in and did it for free because she that was she loved it. But Mrs. Brown was unique. I don't know if you remember the standardized testing we would have. Uh, Where you go through and you fill in all the circles. She had like a 15-minute presentation every time we did that testing of how to fill in the circles. You You take your pencil and you draw it around the circle. And then you start from the outside of the circle and you work your way in. And then you finally get to the middle and like that. And you make sure you have, of course, a number two pencil and they must be adequately sharpened. And she would walk around the room to make sure your pencils were adequately sharpened. That is who she was. She was a stickler for details and there was a there was a guidebook there was a book that said this is how we do this and she would read that book to everyone we loved it It was amazing. I'm facetious I hope you can pick up on that but the um, but we she would read through this book and we would just all just ah oh, and it was just like this sense of dread every year. The, the thought of her helping you go to college or helping you with any other thing besides just how to take that standardized test well you didn't want to talk to her because you there would be a manual that would come out and it would be like a thing and so we avoided her. We just you know we didn't want to get stuck in a conversation with Ms Brown but that was her job and she was nice, sweet person. And then there was Ms McGann. Ms. McGann was a little rougher around the edges. Uh, she was also a girls' basketball coach, and, uh, and so she – but she was that – when she was a teacher, she was that fun teacher. You know what I'm saying? She was animated and lively and always interacted with students, and when she became our guidance counselor, she was, she was your friend, and I remember it was like she would come, and she was a, not just a coach for a girl's team. She became a coach for students. And I remember her coming alongside me and saying, you are going to go to college, and I'm going to get you all the money that you can possibly get. And she would just – it would felt like there that I was the only student that she was helping the entire school. I knew that wasn't true. But she always gave me that impression that she was going, that she was staying up late at night and coming in on weekends to make sure because she had done so much work and so much effort to find me these most obscure. I remember when I graduated, they go through a list of scholarships you had, and I, I got out of my seat, walked up, and got my diploma and sat back down, and they still hadn't finished reading off the scholarships I had received, and it was because of that guidance counselor. It wasn't because there was anything special about me. Is that she said, as as much as you are willing to do, if you're willing to fill out the application, she goes, I'll find you the applications, and I'll help you do it. And we didn't have – my dad didn't have any money uh, at that point in our lives. He made a lot more with my sister. I just only point this out because my younger sister had a different life than I had. She's over six and a half years younger than me. And my older sister and I point this out to her on a frequent basis. We grew up poor. You did not. uh, And uh, the privileged child that she is. Um, and so, uh, we, um, but we had to, my dad just said, when we, he said, you want to go to college? Well, you got to pay for it. And so you got to find a way to get there. And, and she was, she worked, she knew that she knew the situation we were in. She worked tirelessly to make sure we had the money to go to school. And I'm so grateful for that. But you see the, the contrast there is, is, is also how we view God sometimes. Sometimes we see God as especially the Holy Spirit, we talk about the Holy Spirit as an enforcer of rules. I mean, he has a list that that when we come to God, it's almost like when we come to church that there's, you kind of see, you think of preachers this way too, I think, and, and the body of Christ that that it's God opens up this manual and it's like, all right, here's how you're supposed to do this. You should read your Bible this way, and you should read this Bible, and this is how many times you should read your Bible a week, and this is how many things. And we're negotiating with, well, can I do it this many times versus this many times? And we're, and it's all this kind of how much do I have to do in order to appease you, to satisfy you, to, to meet the standard, the obligation that I'm at. And even though we will say, I don't believe that, I, that my salvation is based on works – we live as though our salvation is based on works. We live as though I have to do this many things in order to please God, in order to make Him happy. And for those of us who don't feel like we're doing a very good job, we just avoid Him. Just I don't even want to talk to Him. I don't want to talk to Him. I don't want to hear Him. I don't want to. I don't want to have an interaction with Him because if I talk to Him, He's just going to point out that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And so I, I just I just quit, or I'm just going to stay away from Him. And then you have that. Because uh, this is the way it kind of comes across. When you actually do run into God in the hallway, and there He is, and you're like, you can't avoid Him, and then, and and it's like He's saying, "This is your life," and and you're like, "Ah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I need to do this more. I need to do this more. I need to do this more. I know. Don't even tell me. I know what I need to do." And that's how we view God. But He is so much more like Miss McGann. He is so much more just wanting us to come talk to Him and say, "Hey, look." <laughs> I'm here for your success. I I know the potential that you have. I just I just want to work with you to be everything that you were designed and created to be. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna stay up late and I'm gonna work weekends and I'm gonna do everything above and beyond in order to make sure that you are everything that you were meant to be. And if you will do what I give you to do, then I'm I'm there with you. The whole way. I will I will walk with you the whole way. And and I and I really believe this. I really believe that those of us who will just simply say, I, I want everything he has to give. That he's like, All right, let's do this. And that when we do see God in heaven that and he tells us all the things that we did. That in our minds we're thinking, you know, that's not really me that did that. That was him. He was the one who motivated me and prompted me and supported me. And this is what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to say this is going to be really hard. I get it. I know this. I know it's hard. I know what you're facing is hard. It's, like, it's not like this time catches him off guard. It's not like he's like, oh, didn't expect all the riots. Didn't expect a virus. Wow. Now how do, Now what do we do? How do we do this? You know, he, knew, he knew all this was coming. And it's not new. You think this is the first time there's been political upheaval in the world? Then your history teacher failed you. Because that's all it's been, is political upheaval. From day, when Jesus was here, it was political upheaval. Through, the, through all of the Bible, it's political upheaval. People, all kinds of unrest. Always people rebelling. Always people not liking the situation. Governments changing and shifting and, and instability and wondering what's going to happen in the future. All this unrest, this has been around since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. It has never gone away. I mean, think about it. It got so bad that God, the same God that sent Jesus, the same God that loves people, the same God that we sing praises to, the same God that we celebrate and think is wonderful, he looked at the world and said, I've got to kill everybody. It's so bad. And did. Wiped out the entire earth except for one family. Now, everybody in this room thinks, oh, that would be my family. But it's probably not. You're probably treading water for about, you know, a day, and then you're gone, and that's it. That's that's your only hope. We would have all been in that. We would have all suffered and died under that judgment because we're all guilty. And then he gave Noah a promise. He said, I'm never going to do this again. I'm going to provide a new covenant, a message of hope. And Noah's seed, I'm going to bring somebody into this world who's going to fix all of this. Not make people better on their own, but replace them. He would do it, what we were intended to do, and then would take our punishment for us. If you can think of it like this, God did flood the earth again, but he just killed one person. He did judge the world again. But he put all his judgment on one person. And Jesus said, When that happens, when I go down, you will be saved. And then I will send someone to you. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. In John chapter 15, last of 15 and through the beginning of 16. But let's let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great you are. Lord, I'm so Always so excited about getting into your word. And Lord, the message that you have for us today. Lord, that you love us so much. You didn't just die so that we might live. Lord, you sent yourself to us. In the same way that you sent your son Jesus into Bethlehem. You send your Holy Spirit to be born in us, Lord, we are each our own little nativity scene with God living in us, growing in us, teaching us. Father, it's just impossible to comprehend, but Lord, we know it to be true based on your word. And Lord, also on the fruit of your spirit within us. So Lord, may we just embrace your truth today. For We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It starts when things get dark. You know, when Jesus was with his disciples, it was a very dark time and they their world was getting ready to collapse. It was probably the darkest experience they had ever gone through having their leader executed in front of them. And they're not they're just getting ready to go through this. It's just the fear of this happening right now, and it's going to actually happen. And sometimes we think that the darkness we're in is, is the darkest it ever gets. And I, and I know that when you watch the news and you see the things, and I've encouraged you in this over and over again to stop watching so much of the news. Get the information you need and get out. Go in, get it, get out. You know, it's like get a weather report, and, or whatever you got to get, get out of there. Why? Because the voices that are going on and saying all these things, this is not the truth. There may have been a time, I don't know, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if they've ever told us the truth in the news. Legend has it, it did happen at one time. I know people trusted Walter Cronkite at some point. It's not the case anymore, I'm telling you. It's just not the case. I remember, you remember when we grew up and Pravda? Uh, and, and places like that, and I know Al Jazeera and, and the Arab world and so forth, and we talk about those publications and say they're just lying to their people. And we could see it. You know, Here's the truth, but here's what they're being told. If you go into uh, countries like China and so forth and you try to see the information, it's, you'll see it's, it's not accurate information. They're not telling their people the truth. Well, do not be deceived. That happens here. You are not told the truth. And it would be difficult to think that it is. And so, that's, so when, you, when you look at it, all you see is darkness. And, and you feel that darkness. But you know, before riots and before we had viruses and these storms and financial upheaval and all these different things, we had people in darkness all around us all the time people who are caught up in their own sin, mistakes that they've made. They made people have made huge mistakes. They've cheated on spouses or they've they've got some type of addiction that they got stuck inside of or they've took a made a bad decision at work or made a series of bad decisions in life and they're walking in that darkness day after day after day. You may not be knowing that they were in darkness, but they've been in darkness for some time. And a lot of times what you're seeing around us is just people who've been in darkness and now we're just all paying attention. But they've been walking in darkness for a long time. Maybe it's you. And some people are in darkness not because of anything they did, but because of the things that people have done around them. They have a spouse who's addicted, or they have a person who's betrayed them. They've been cheated on. They've had employees to fail them, or a boss who became rogue or immoral or whatever, and then they suffer from it. And I know that you've experienced one of those two things. Either you've been the one who's done it, or you've had it done to you. Everybody, that's, that's part of just living in a fallen world. And when those things happen, it gets dark, and it gets dark fast. I, I remember a metaphor in my life is I went, uh, I was going to a funeral. I had a friend who had cancer, and I went to his funeral, After he died, and it was in Oregon where we used to live, and so I flew 2,500 miles out there to go to the funeral, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to get away. I'm just going to go up in the mountains and walk up in the mountains, and it was a, I think it was in the summer, spring or fall or somewhere, and it was like 80 degrees that day, 75 degrees. I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and I got a backpack with a camera in it, and that's all I had in that backpack was a regular camera and a video camera. Now, I used to live there, and I remember watching the news, people doing stupid things like this, and, and think, why would you go into the mountains unprepared? You know, because it's like these two hikers got lost, and they had nothing but a backpack and a camera, and they died. And that was a news story. And it was like, so that's not in my head at the moment. I'm just thinking, I'm grieving over my friend. And so if we're just gonna, I'm just gonna walk up and walk back out. So I walk and I hike and I keep going. I go further and further and further and further. And I get above the tree line. If you know the mountains, there's a tree line. So I get above the tree line. So I have this really clear view. And I have this amazing clear view. And it was so bright that the sun's starting to go down. I think I need to get on down, but it's like the moon came out and it was this huge moon. And I thought, this is amazing. I want pictures of the moon. And so I'm getting pictures of the moon. I'm thinking, it's so bright. This is, I mean, how could you not see? Because it's so bright, you know? So what's the danger? Well, the danger is when you go back down into the trees. Thank you. And I get back into the trees, and I can't see my hand in front of my face. And I'm hearing other things besides me in the woods. Things that seem like they would like to eat me, things that can see me, and I can't see them. And so I begin to run through the woods, down a mountain, in pitch black dark. I realize, I remember I have a video camera in my backpack and the video camera has a night vision thing. I couldn't get the night vision thing to work without filming. So now comes my own Blair Witch Video Project video. As I'm coming down the mountain and multiple times would flip the camera onto me and begin to say to my family, if you get this video, obviously i'm dead and i just want you and so depending on my level of desperation that's the content of the video so i finally find a road i'm able to find the road follow the road out and i get back to where i am it's amazing how you make these incredible promises to god that you are you know and they start to fade as you begin to find your way out all these promises of god and everything But I remember when I got home, as a punishment to myself, I said I'm going to watch the video with my family to make sure that i never so stupid as to do that again. And the temperature, and just as you know, the temperature drops to like 40 degrees up in the mountains after dark and so forth. I'm freezing to death and you're thinking of dying of exposure. It was a real, real dark time. And the metaphor that God gave for me, he's like, this is what people, this is what you do, this is what people do all the time. They're just simply enjoying life, not preparing for what's up ahead, not even thinking of the dangers that are going to come. And then all of a sudden you're in a situation where everything goes dark and you don't know where to go. And the only hope you have is that I give you the light to get out. That's it. That's your only hope. Your only hope is me. Your only hope is me to get out of this. And people will choose a lot of different things. And you look and they... I mean, I don't know why other people wouldn't turn to God. I don't know why you wouldn't pray and ask for God. Because I was praying a lot to get out. But sometimes we don't. But look in chapter 15, verse 26, what he says. He says, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father... The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, let's hear this. When the counselor comes, the one I send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Meaning, he is coming to tell you, remind you who I am and the truth. And you also will Share these things through this power. He said, not only will you get the testimony, you'll share the testimony. And he said, you've been with me from the beginning. So you're, you're going to tell other people these things. He's t- saying, you're going to write this, this New Testament. You're going to write this. Because you were with me. And you're going to communicate what I've given to you. In chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. I hear that. He is telling his disciples, after I leave you, I'm crucified and so forth, and I'm gone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And here's what's going to happen. is to keep you from stumbling, meaning it's to keep you from panicking. It's to keep you from giving into fear. It's to keep you from forgetting that I told you this was going to happen, and they're going to throw you out, a church, your synagogues, they're going to cast you out, and they're going to kill you, thinking they're doing a service for God. Now, we know this happens to them, because that's what Saul does, before before we know him as Paul, Saul goes around killing people in service to God, and he's not alone, Back then, they try to kill Paul as a service to God, thinking they're doing the right thing. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. I'm, I'm telling you, and this isn't a moment of prophecy, I'm just telling you, if history and the pattern of our world continues and Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun, it is going to happen It is going to happen, you are going to hear it, that people in the world are going to say we have to get rid of churches, of people who follow Christ. We have to get rid of them because they are the problem, not the solution. It already is being said, but it's not popular enough to be carried out. I don't know how quickly, things happen pretty quickly these days. It could shift, turn on a dime. Now, if you go, (gasps) then hear this. He's talking to you. If there's fear creeping up, that is what the disciples were feeling. I mean, think about it. Just as I say that to you right now, that's what Jesus was saying to them. He's saying, brothers, it's going to happen. He says, but I have told you these things so that when their time comes... You will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going away to him who sent me, and not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. I remember preaching something similar to this, and I had somebody, they said, Why can't you be more like Joel Osteen? He's so uplifting. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And let me tell you, if I could be more like Joel Osteen, meaning if I could drive his car, live in his house, Kim and I would take that. We'd take that. I wasn't called to be Joel Osteen. I was just called to share the truth of what he says. Just like Jesus had to share what God is putting on his heart to share with his disciples, I'm sharing with you the things he says. And then they had to share what he said, and that's what we do. We share the truth. This is the truth. But the truth is, and so when you hear it, and you're like, it's, "I'm," so I'm not talking about sticking our heads in the sand. I'm not talking about just avoiding anything that's that seems negative. I'm talking about embracing the truth of what God says versus embracing the lies of what the world is saying. Because sometimes the world is saying things that sound good, but they're not true either. Just because it sounds it's good news in the world doesn't mean it's good news because if people aren't talking about christ this is my this is the problem i have with oprah and if you're not familiar with my problem with oprah then you'll learn i have a problem with oprah because oprah is a is a perpetrator of what she says is good news but it's not good news she's lying to people because she had an opportunity to embrace the truth. I remember the moment. I remember when she said she was a Christian and, and supporter of Christ. But then she, in the celebrity world that she lived in, bought into a lie and then began to be the one to continue to communicate those lies. And if you like her because she does good things, just hear what I'm saying. She's not sharing the good news with people. It's like talking about the Mormon church. Do the Mormon church do good things? According to the world's definition of good, they do good things. Muslim people do good things, Buddhists do good things. Everybody in the world thinks good things and wants to do good things. And that's but I'm saying there were people in Jesus' time who wanted to do good things, and they thought a good thing to do would be to kill Jesus. They didn't think they were doing something bad. They thought they were doing something good. That's what, you don't have a group of people screaming crucify him because they're thinking we hate God. We want to destroy the world. We think the world should die. No, they said we love God and we think God is great and we know the truth and Jesus is against the truth. And so we're going to kill him in order to please God. That's what they were shouting. They weren't trying to be evil. They were trying to be good. And that's why everybody did it. Everybody's like, yeah, that's what we need to do. And he's saying the same people are going to do that to you. And he's speaking forward to us. The same people are going to say, hey, if you really care about people, if you really think you should do something good, if you really think something, you should be passionate about what's good in this world, then you need to be against the church, because the church is evil, the church is prejudiced and immoral and, and all these different, they have this viewpoint that what we are teaching is hate. If I speak out and do speak out and say that homosexuality is a sin and bondage, if I speak out and say taking the life of an unborn child is evil, I'm wrong and we should stand against those things, I'm gonna tell you, the world already has said, I am a hater and a person who needs to be silenced. That's the bulk of our world. Now, do I say those things out of hate? No. I believe that Jesus has a plan for every person and our identity should be in Christ and not our sexual preference. I believe that Jesus loves the little children. And when babies are conceived, that Jesus already is in love with those babies and their life is precious to him and it should be preserved. It's because you love, and if you agree with me, it's because you love people that you believe these things. I don't want to, I don't want to see any of these people hurt or suffer or I don't want to see wrath come upon them. I want to see judgment upon them. I'm not trying to pray for their judgment and downfall and so forth. I'm praying for their salvation. I'm praying they'll be set free from bondage and, and know what real freedom is and know the Lord that I know and love Jesus the way I love him and want to spend eternity with him. But here's what we must, we must trust in the spirit of God above the world and self. He is not part of the fallen world. We are. We are. The world the world has fallen, and it can't see which way is up. It's inside the woods and doesn't know which direction. It's the blind leading the blind. It would be no help to me whatsoever if you've been in the woods there with me and be going, I think we should go right, or, I think we should go left, because you're just as blind as I am at the moment. We need somebody who knows the way out. We need someone who can guide us through this. When I'm trapped in addiction, somebody else trapped in addiction can't help me. And there's what I tell people all the time. If you've been set free from addiction, if you've been set free from lust, if you've been set free from marital infidelity or, or whatever you've gone, whatever darkness you went through, if, you, if God showed you the way out, you are an amazing help to others who are trapped inside. Because uh, this is the picture I want to give you. It's like you found your way out and you were given a light. And he says, now go back in with the light and help other people get out. That's why we're still here. Not to say, whoo, never going back there again, never talking to anybody about it ever again. No, he said, no, no, I showed you the way out. I gave you the truth. Now go back and get somebody else and show them the way out. That's what, that's what trusting in the Spirit of God is about above the world and self. It's not about self-preservation. It's just not about me escaping darkness. It's about me trusting in Him so that I can be set free and now I can be used to help others get set free. So that's why it's worth the effort, worth the energy. Why do I go through all this? Why does it matter? It's just me suffering in it. No, if you can overcome If you can be set free, if you can find your way out, if if God will show you, you will trust Him, find your way up, then God will use you to help others as well. So trust the Spirit of God above the world, above yourself. Not only do things get dark in this life, but we feel isolated. But we need to know this truth. This is a truth. We are not alone. We are not alone. We are not alone. It is easy to feel alone. It is easy to feel as though we've been abandoned. I remember I, I, churches I've pastored in the past. I'd have somebody come and I'd say, "Why?" They say, we're, "We love this church and we're so glad we're here." And why'd you leave your last church? They will say, "Well, my grandmother died, and not one person came to the funeral. Not one person." And they said, We felt like we were alone. We went to that church and we were participated and so forth. And, and you may feel that way. You may feel that way about me or Randy or, or Daniel or, or some people in this church. Maybe that's happened to you. This happened to me. I can remember having surgery. The pastor. I had surgery. Told people having surgery. <laughs> Nobody called, came, asked. And they just assumed somebody would, I guess. But nobody did. And I felt alone. Sometimes you feel alone in your own house. I'm not going to say my wife has ever uttered these words. But I hear women have said words like, nobody ever helps me around here. I do all of this. We feel like the whole weight of the world has been put on our shoulders and there's all this stuff that has to be done. I call it Elijah and Martha syndrome. Elijah felt like he alone was the only prophet of God left and that there were no other people. And God says, no, I got thousands more who bend the knee. But he felt alone. He even said it, I alone, I'm the only one left. Martha, when she's trying to take care of Jesus, look, said, do you not care that I'm fixing all this food and getting everything ready and doing all the housework and Mary's in there enjoying things? If it was, if you put it in a church example, do you not care that I always have nursery duty and all those other people just sit in there and listen to the preaching and they never offer to help me? I had a pastor friend who couldn't get people to volunteer in the nursery, so he did. And they all showed up at church that week, and the pulpit's empty. And they said, where's the preacher? He's in the nursery, because there's nobody who will take care of the nursery. But we get this mindset that not only have people abandoned us, but God himself has abandoned us. And we we are thinking it. If we don't enunciate it, it kind of creeps in there. Do you not care that I've got all this on me right now? It's easy to feel that way. Especially when we think we're the only ones sensing the urgency of the moment. You know, when you go out and you think, when you look at, you get that, now we have this mask judgment thing that we've introduced into our culture. We just needed something more. Where you go out and there's two types of people. One is saying, look at those people wearing those masks. They think I'm going to get them sick, or they think whatever, you know, just judgment. Hate people who wear mask." And then you got the people wearing the mask, going, look at these people not wearing masks. They don't care that they're going to get me sick and infected. They don't care, all they care about is themselves and so forth, don't care about other people. We are experiencing this in spades right now why is there a movement of black lives matter because you have a race of people who believe they are being abandoned and and then you have other people saying well all lives matter it's like well duh we knew yes we know that but pay attention pay attention because this is just this is a these are people and, and if you listen to everybody said their part if you went to Asian Americans and they said ah, you know we also feel like we are being shunned or whatever and and so forth and 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 then you you have women versus men and and the races against each other and ethnic origins against poverty versus wealth and 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 because this is what it is when you're in a group that feels like you've been forgotten you feel forgotten and you think they have no idea, and and everything, all you can think of is how we've been abandoned, how we've been left alone. Now, this is a twofold thing. One is, it's, that's a real thing. Don't write that off. It's a real thing. People do feel abandoned, and we should recognize that. I shouldn't say you're not alone, you're not abandoned. You shouldn't feel that way. They do feel that way. I should never look at my wife and say, I. Oh, Washed a dish just last week. You shouldn't feel that way. Maybe it was two weeks ago, but still. You see, if she feel the Christ like response is hearing that they feel alone. And the Christ like response is saying, You're not alone. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Because we get defensive, right? We get defensive. Do you think God gets defensive when we say that to him? No. He just reminds us. I'm here. What do you need? In fact, Jesus says it. Whatever you need, ask me. I'll give it to you. That should be our response. Whatever you need. Now, understand that I'm devoted to Christ and I'm here to help further his cause and his purpose. So... If you need some help in getting closer to Christ, being furthered in his purpose, then I I can do that. That's what my life is given for. My ultimate allegiance is to him. So if you're going to ask me to do something that takes me away from him, I can't help you. Neither would Jesus. If you ask Jesus for something that takes him away from his father or takes him away from his father's purpose, people did it all the time, and he would say no. He would only do that which would further his father's purpose, would accomplish his father's will which would demonstrate his father's love for people. Which is a great thing because when blind little children would come to him and he would make those blind little children see or lame little people would come to him and he would make those lame little people walk, he was saying, this is what my father wants. My father wants you all to see. He wants you all to walk. I'm trying to show you this is what he loves you. You're not alone. Look in verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, when he comes, hear this, he will convict the world about sin. That's part of what he does through us. Not that we have to go out and tell people, point their sins out to them, but by us just living, look, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then he explains, he says, about sin, because they do not believe in me. He's saying the sin will be that you're not trusting in Jesus. And and so when you have things that are going wrong in your life, I'm not coming and telling you about the sin. You know, if you've got an issue with lying and 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 your life is going spiraling out of control because you constantly lie. I'm not saying, hey, just stop lying. I'm coming to you and saying, hey, if you want to overcome lying, let me introduce you to the person of Jesus Christ who gives us the power to overcome lying. If you have a struggle with an addiction, hey, I'm not telling you just to stop the addiction. I'm telling you, let me introduce you to the person of Jesus Christ who gives us the power to overcome addiction. If you have a problem with fear, I'm not saying, hey, just stop being afraid. I'm saying, let me introduce you to the person of Jesus. You see... The sin helps us to point out that you need to put your trust in Jesus. And so that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's allowing people to be convicted. When people are convicted of sin, that's an act of mercy. It's an act of grace. He's saying, he's showing you that something's wrong with you and you need help. So when you realize you need help, when you get frustrated, I can't do this. When you feel that alone abandonment, that's a grace. He's saying, I see you and I'm here for you. That's our message to the world. We are here for you as instruments of Jesus. He says about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. So he he shows us how to be righteous because he is not, the Holy Spirit is showing us how to be righteous because Jesus isn't here to demonstrate it. So the Holy Spirit reveals to us, this is what you should be doing. This is how you walk holy. This is how you do that which is glorifying to me. Even when you can't see Jesus, you know, you will know, you and I know through the Holy Spirit, this is the right thing to do. And he says about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Holy Spirit reveals about judgment because he's saying the enemy has been judged. There is an end to him. And if you are connected to that enemy, you will receive the same judgment he is going to receive. This is a good time to separate yourself from the enemy. So here's what we do. Look for the Spirit of God at work around you. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus never leaves us. We are never alone in Christ. Let me tell you, Everybody out there who's screaming, we've been abandoned. They do not know Christ. Because if you know Christ, you know him, you know you are not abandoned. The Holy Spirit is in you, reminding you constantly of that. When you feel abandoned, and if you say the words, I am abandoned, you are lying and you've been lied to. That is not the truth. You have not been abandoned. You have not been forsaken. The Father still loves you. And he dwells in you through the Holy Spirit. That is the truth. And the world, that's what the world, if you're watching the news and they're saying, the government has left you, your leaders have left you, the, the this has left you, and that's left you. Everybody's leaving you and forsaking you abandoning you. They're trying to get you to feel alone. And I don't think think they sit in a board meeting going, how do we make everybody feel alone? What's a good story we can write? I know we feel that way sometimes. What's a good story we could write to make everybody feel alone? I don't think they do that. But I know who does do that. The enemy does that. I think the enemy gets in the hearts of people. He makes them feel alone. And they communicate that aloneness. The church should never communicate a message that we are alone or forsaken because we are not. We are always empowered by the Spirit of Christ. He, through the Spirit of God, Jesus never leaves us. And finally, He speaks. God speaks. This is what we need to let. We need to know this and we need to let people know this. God talks to us. But sometimes all we hear is silence. This is the. This is the reason why people don't believe him, because they can't hear him. I mean, really, think about it. If you hear God speaking to you, you can't then say, but I don't believe him. Obviously, if you say, I hear God speaking, you believe him. You believe in him. You think he's real. The enemies, though, believe him, believe that he is real. And just choose not to follow him. So it's kind of a twofold thing. Not only do I have to hear him speak, I have to obey what he says. That's the difference between us and the demonic realm. We hear God and we do what He says. But let me challenge you on something. When you read the Word and hear what it says, and you're like, "I'm not sure. I'm not sure if He's real." Do what He says anyway. Do what he says anyway. This is the part that baffles me. Why would you not? I mean, if you say, if you came to me and said, I believe in the teachings of Buddha, and I follow Buddha to the letter, and it's made my life so much better, and I'm so enriched by it and so forth, and that's that's why I follow the teachings of Buddha. I would say, wow. I don't think Buddha's true. I, don't, I mean, I would there, there would be an apologetic argument at this point. Like, let me tell you why I think Jesus is real and why I think the hope we have of eternity is real through Jesus and Jesus alone, the truth of what he says, because he resurrected from the dead and Buddha didn't resurrect from the dead. And so, you know, and so we have this kind of conversation, but that's not the conversation. I, I have never had that conversation. i me just tell you, never, never had that conversation. Maybe once or twice, somebody's told me some positive things they got from some of the, but this is what I get more often than, than not. My life stinks. I hate my life. And I don't believe in God. And I'm like, does that make sense to you? Your life is awful. You don't like it. You have no purpose in your life. Or you're completely selfish and self-centered and self-serving. And you have no hope for all eternity. And you have no hope for tomorrow. And you don't like the way things are going in your life and so forth. So I'm going to continue to reject the gospel. Or the fact that God is real. Does that make sense? No, of course it doesn't make sense. It's not rational. If I said, "Do you want, you're, just, you're just so proud that you're not going to concede that God may be real, and so you're saying, I, I don't want to believe it, because if I believe it, then I was wrong, and then I have to be, a, eh, you know, whatever, you were right, I was wrong, and then I have to suck up my pride and so forth. But let me tell you, there were times I didn't believe it. I did not believe it was true. It just didn't make sense. I mean, from everything I learned in school and everything they taught me and, you know, I loved philosophy and studied a lot of things that made me think, there's no way the Bible could be real. No way God could be true. It was just my life was so bad. I thought, that's the only lifeline I've got extended to me. And so I said, I just, God, if you're real, you're listening, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what you say to do. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk in faith. It was after I took that step of faith, after I followed him, that's when I heard him speak. That's when he became real to me. Look in verse 12. He says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. I love that statement. There's so much more I could tell you, but you couldn't handle anything more than what we've already talked about. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. He's simply saying, listen to what the Spirit says. Of God is saying, he knows the past, he knows the present, he knows the future. Just to be blunt honest with you, when you start putting your faith in God, and he says, I want you to do this because I know what's going to be out here, and you say, all right, and then you do it. And then you get to hear, and what he revealed to you was going to be here is there. Your faith is pretty strengthened at that point. That's pretty real. I've said this before. I was a stupid, stupid, stupid 20-year-old young man. Even stupider at 19. I was still pretty stupid at 20. I... Literally went to God and said, God, I have absolutely no idea. I am messing this life up. It is so bad right now. I need help. And I said, I think I need a woman. know what every 19-year-old person prays? Guy, hopefully. And we 19-year-old young man, God, I need a woman. If you'll just do that for me. We'll call it good. And I kid you not, I've shared the story. It's it's almost laughable to me. But little she walked in the room at that moment, and it's I hear a voice say, "That's her," <laughs> and that was it. Like okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, I I I I walk up to her, I said, "God told me to marry you," and that was kind of how it went, kind of how it came out of my mouth, and she laughed at me. Sorry, I got a boyfriend and I'm thinking of marrying him. You're so sweet. Pat on the head. Weirdo, get out of my life. I can't tell you, though, how often today I look at my life, more specifically, look at my wife, and think, I know God is real because he brought her into my life. I would have never found her on my own in a thousand years if she had been right in front of me and I never noticed her until God pointed her out to her. And I'm I'm so humbled that a stupid kid could just ask God for help. Not even really sure God is even there. And yet God responds and says Yeah, you need help. Here's the help. And that help is real. I have pastor friends and so forth who lament the decisions they made in getting married. And they say, how did you find Kim? How did you get so lucky? And I say, it wasn't luck. I just asked God for help. And he gave her, brought her to me. I don't want sins she's committed to deserve me. I don't know that part of it. But I know this. If you will listen to what he is saying, read his word, whatever he's saying, wherever you know it's him, wherever you know it's the truth of what he's saying, if he speaks to you in a dream and it's in agreement with his word or whatever, that's Is where you start. Now let me clarify that really quick. You get something in a dream. Go to someone who has a knowledge of God's word. Who has something in God's word. And make sure that what you are hearing is discernible as God's voice. It will always be discernible as God's voice. God doesn't deal in confusing things. He He doesn't say things to mislead us. He always says things that are clear. But hear this. The ruler of this world has been judged. Every other path that you take, every other way you seek will lead to the same wrath that he is going to receive. Abandon him. This is what I, I wish I could communicate to everybody out there. The path, If you are not Putting your faith in Jesus, if you're following something that is not Jesus, that has not been proven as though Jesus has been proven. Jesus resurrected from the dead, ascended to the Father, had over 500 witnesses see it happen and attest to him and died for that. And it has been proven over and over again. Whatever else you're following does not have that type of power or potency to it. Whatever other plan you're following, you're following people who are just as weak as you are. You're following plans that are just as weak as you are, and they will lead to the same place that they all lead to, and that is to the to where the enemy is going. That is hell. It's what we It's what hell is. It's a wrath that was created for a rebellion against God. That God had a plan for his people, want to live with his people and dwell with his people and haven't had a rebellion and said, We're not going to follow you. And they abandoned God. And when they abandon God, they abandon all that is God's. And if you abandon God, you also will abandon all that is God's. And let me tell you, everything good is God's. So abandon the enemy. Give up on him. If you're going to give up on somebody, give up on the enemy and embrace Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God for how good you are and the graces you show to us each and every day. Thank you, Father, that you extend a lifeline to us. And Lord, we pray this morning, I just pray for everybody here this morning, that they will abandon anything apart from you, Any direction, truth, guide what they think is the truth, any lies they're following, any instruction, any philosophy, whatever it is they think is going to get them where they're going, Father, may they realize it's just another blind person trying to show them the way through darkness, and they will both fall into a ditch. Lord, may they abandon that plan and embrace your Son, Jesus Christ, be filled with your Holy Spirit, receive the direction that only you can give, and you'll prove yourself. But they have to take a step of faith. It's so Lord, I pray that's what they'll do. Lord, I just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they said, yeah, you may throw us into the fire and we may die, but we're going to remain faithful to our God. Father, may we do that too. May we even if we get thrown in the fire, we're still going to trust you because you're the only one worthy of that trust. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us. We have a time invitation. God's responding to you. Right now, just take a moment. Pray to him. Say, God, if you need a wife, pray, God, give me a wife. If you need a husband, pray, God, give me a husband. If you need financial rescue, pray, God, give me financial rescue. Give me the next step that you need me to take. I don't know where to go from here. Lord, show me how to go from here. He will hear that prayer. He will show you the next step to take. And then you need to take that step as we sing. Love you guys, appreciate you so much, appreciate all of you very much, and um, be in prayer for us as we move forward this meeting this week, and make sure you're here if you can come June 14th, 6 o'clock, um, be praying for Brother Randy today as he's uh, going to be doing the funeral for Keith Sebaugh today, and be praying for that family, the loss, uh, and, and, uh, loss of this church, loss of that family, and just uh, uh, be lifting one another up in prayer. As we manage our way through this times, Randy, would you mind coming with close with a word of prayer?
2: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our time together. Thank you for everyone here, for every home represented, for every heart that's given themselves to you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we will go through this life always trusting and depending on you for every move and every uh, action. I pray, Heavenly Father, you'd be with us and guide us and uh, let us know when something is not right and let us always trust do what's right. Thank you again so much. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
3: do you believe in? You believe I can catch a ball because you just saw me do it. You believe your dog is shedding his winter coat because you can see all the fur that your dad makes you clean up. You believe the floor is solid because you haven't gone through it yet. Some people say, seeing is believing. But faith says, use what you can see to believe in what you can't see. You can't see the wind.
4: evening, you can see what it
3: does. You can't see what's happening inside your stomach without an x-ray machine, but you believe that this can be fixed by this. You can't see your parents' love, but you can see the way your mom cuts your sandwich just the way you like it, and how dad drives you to soccer four times a week. And no, you can't see God with your physical eyes but you can see him in everything he's created. You can see his love in the kid who's kind to you on the bus and the drive through lady who smiles and gives you extra fries. Most of all, you can see who God is in Jesus and the eyewitness accounts written down by his best friends. When you trust, even when it's hard to see, when you live a life based on faith in who God is and how he tells us to love, Others can see God at work in you. That's why faith is an amazing way to worship God with your life. Because worship is about more than just singing loud. It's all about living loud.
5: This is my faith. This is my focus, all of my days. I know where my hope is. I live it loud. I shout the chorus because I know, oh,
6: you're always for us. And even when it's hard for me to see, to see, I will trust in.
5: My focus focus. all of my days days. I know where my hope is I live in life
7: John, good. You're here. We're starting in two minutes.
6: Oh, uh, okay. You, you haven't seen my glasses. No, have but you? you look great. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> hey, John. Script looks good today. Uh, really? I, I haven't read the script. You haven't seen my glasses, have you? No, I haven't. Where was the last place you looked for them? But I was sitting right here and getting ready for the show when I saw a little white rabbit run across the set, so I followed him down a hole where I got really small, then really tall, and there was a cat, a queen, and a caterpillar. And The next thing I know, I'm coming through the door and I don't have my glasses. <laughs> yeah, I was going to let you look for them a little longer, but uh, your day's been weird enough already. Uh, your glasses are on your head. What? what? Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh! 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 Let's get this show on the road. Uh, John, are you feeling okay? Yeah, great. Now they I found my glasses? Why? No reason. Why is everybody looking at me like that? So-and-so show. I'm Brandon. Hello. And we are glad you're hanging out with us today. Yep. Hey, what is with the glasses? No. Oh. Turn on oh, my new toy that came in a cereal box. You're telling me those binoculars came in this box? No, yeah. No, but they binoculars. are micro-goggles. Ooh. What's micro-goggles? Yeah, they're, they're kind of like hands-free microscopes. They help you focus in on tiny things so you can see them closer. Oh, yeah, okay. There's apparently a secret message on the back of this that I need to use these to find out what it says. Oh, really? Cool. What's the secret message say? Um, eat more cereal. Huh. Ha-ha! You don't say. Yeah. Don't mind if I take a look? No. I guess it's kind of a subliminal marketing thing, huh? I don't think it's subliminal. Wow, oh, man! Yeah. What are you saying? These things are useless. <laughs> what? I'm sending them back. No, you don't have to send them back. Wait. Wait. We could use them to play a game. Oh, great! It's time to play Random Magnified Things.
7: Random Magnified Things.
6: Okay, uh, this screen is about to show us random things as seen through your micro-goggles. So. Each image is magnified 100 times its normal viewing size. All we have to do is figure out what each thing is. Whoever gets the most right wins. Got it? Of course. Great. You go first. All right. Hit me small. Hmm. That looks like, yeah. uh, let's see, 100 times. I'm going to go with like, it looks like, a, it looks like a trombone, but that's too big, right? I don't That'd know. That'd be their actual size. Like, this is how big a trombone normally uh, It looks like a bridge to me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go with a, a thumbtack. Thumbtack? Yeah, the curvature of the thumbtack. All tack. right, sure. Okay, okay, great. Yeah, let's see if you're right. Uh, oh, you're in the right, right arena. Yeah, office supplies. That's right. Okay, my turn. Show me Tiny. Um, Okay. I, I think I know what this is. I would guess it was like a like a close-up of like a grasshopper or something like yeah, that. But yeah. there's a little red here. Mm-hmm. A little red and a little green. I'm going to guess a strawberry. Ooh, strawberry <laughs> it is. Brandon gets a strawberry. What is it? Ah, uh, oh, oh. tomato. Darn it. Ah, that's right. All right. All right. Back to me. Macro machines go. Mmm. Oh, what in the world? <laughs> uh, oh, wait, wait. You know? I know what this is. At first, I thought it was a lemon. Okay. But it's not. I know what it is. Because we're magnified. That's, 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 yeah. That is a pencil. Yeah, that's what I think, too. yeah. yeah. Let's see. Did he get it? Pizza! All right, that was very good. good. That's me again. It's teeny time. All right. -ah. Oh man, that's. I know what that is. I think I know what it is. It looks like my favorite uh, dessert. Is that an Oreo? It's an Oreo. That's right. Yes, you were. Okay. I want some milk. Yeah, me. Okay. (laughs) Okay. It's my turn now. All right. Micro Machines go! All right. All right. Oh, what, ooh, do you think what is that? Around? I don't know. It could be celery. Maybe like fiber octa- optic cable. It or... does look like that. But it's bunched up like. Oh, oh what no, are you no, gonna go it's no, no, it's, it's a toothbrush. Is it a toothbrush? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, good. Oh, well, OK, I got another right, one. Uh, minutia, hit me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, is that ooh. more fruit? It I don't know. Like... It looks like cracks in something. Oh, that is interesting. Like, a, oh, my goodness. I uh... almost looks like a nose. It does, <laughs> man. That is really hard. I'm going to say it's a uh, it's a, it's a bowling ball. I don't know. I got a my... bowling ball. Yeah, a, I can't. Okay, okay. is it a bowling ball? <laughs> uh, oh, okay, it's a bottle cap. Oh, I see. Great. Wow. No. I don't think we can afford that, damage. No, but I don't think so either. <laughs> hey, okay, let's move okay, quickly. Uh, there's one more. <laughs> no. This round is worth a million points. Is it? Why did we bother with all the other rounds? We're both playing on this one, so the okay. first person to correctly identify the image wins. Are you ready? Yeah, you're killing me, Smalls. All right, go ahead and hit. It. Mm, uh, uh, it's cornbread. Uh, 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 no, 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 uh, no, no. no. It, it's uh, cornbread. Cornbread. Corn, cornbread. No, it's the uh, it's uh, inside of an orange. It's, no, I don't, no it's I'm not, not very good with colors. Shush. Okay. <laughs> Why it's shush? Because I don't want you to win. <laughs> okay. it's, it's a rock candy. Rock it's, candy. That's good. It's it's the inside of a, a bee. Honey. Hive. Honeycomb. honeycomb. Um, it's a sponge. It's a sponge. It's a it's not a sponge. Uh, oh. This is going to take forever. Is uh, is it, is it uh, the, the cereal honeycomb? Ooh, no. Is it a cereal? No. Cereal. Uh, cereal. cereal. It is cereal. It one. is. It's frosted flakes. I don't know, know I that I one. I said cereal. You, you said a cereal. Uh, we'll do five hundred thousand each. Okay, great. Okay, so great. I win. Yeah. It's Bible story time with Kellen! <laughs>
7: Hey, guys. What's going on? Why do you have binoculars on your face? They're not binoculars. Don't ask. Uh, Do you have something for us? Well, I do. It's all about folks who believe in something they couldn't see. Sounds perfect. They're micro-goggles. Take it away, Kellen. You bet. Now, we can't actually see God, not even with micro-goggles. But we can see the stories of people in the past who put their faith in God. And I've got some special people to help me tell some of their stories. It's time for another edition of. The writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us of a guy named Abraham.
8: What up? I'm Abraham.
7: Well,. Actually, when God called Abraham, he was already pretty old.
5: Oh.
0: What up? I'm Abraham.
7: Better. Abraham and his wife Sarah...
0: I'm Sarah. With an H, in case you were wondering.
7: That's good to know. Even though they were old, they didn't have any kids.
0: We ain't got no kids. But God told us to leave our home and go to a new land. He's promised us. Plus, he told us we would have kids. He promised. Look at us. We're old. We're like uh, cassette players or rotary phones. Didn't you hear what I said? I said he promised. Oh, then let's go.
7: So they followed God and they had kids. And grandkids. And great-grandkids. We got kids. Yes, they did, just like God promised. God also promised Abraham that the whole world would be blessed because of Abraham's family. Abraham would not be alive to see the whole world being blessed, but he had faith that God would keep his promise. And now, let's talk about one of Abraham's great, 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 great...
5: Why not just say descendants?
7: Yeah, that'd be easier. One of Abraham's descendants, Moses...
5: Let my people go.
7: Wait, before that, when Moses was a baby,
5: eh.
7: goo Gaga. Go, go, go. He was rescued by his mother, who hid him in a basket on the banks of the Nile River.
8: Wah!
7: Until he was found by Pharaoh's daughter.
8: Oh, look at you, my sweet little mama
7: baby. Yeah, so Moses was raised in the royal Egyptian family, even though he was actually an Israelite. The Israelites were slaves of the Egyptians. But one day, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. I want you to bring the Israelites out of Egypt
0: and into a land flowing with milk and honey. They are my people. As much as I love milk and honey, I'm not sure I'm the right guy for the job.
7: I will be with you. All right, then. Moses chose to stand with his own people, God's people, and he led them to freedom from slavery. Oh, you can do it now. Oh. Let my people go! Beautiful. Thank you. The Israelites were free from slavery, and even though Moses didn't live to see the land flowing with milk and honey that God promised his people, Moses still had faith that God would keep his promise. Then there was David, who was anointed to be king of Israel.
0: That's right, I'm anointed. What does anointed mean? It means you're not king yet. I'm still the king. So give me that crown. Oh, okay, here you go, King Saul. Thank you. And then my son will be king, and then my
4: son's son will be king, and then my son's son's son will be king, and then...
7: Um, sorry, King Saul. God promised David he would be the next king.
8: He
0: he promised? Oh, man. Uh, Thank you.
7: David was the next king of Israel like God promised. And God promised that David's family would always have a king on the throne. And even though King David would not live to see the birth of his descendant, who would rule God's people forever, David had faith that God would keep his promise. These people, they lived thousands of years ago, and they didn't always see what God promised them. But God could see things they couldn't see. And guess what? We can see things they couldn't see. We know the whole world was blessed through Abraham's family, because one of Abraham's descendants was Jesus. We know that the Israelites made it into the land flowing with milk and honey. Yes!
5: Uh, I mean, praise God.
7: And we know Jesus is also a descendant of King David. And even though we can't see forever, we can have faith that Jesus will always rule like a king, because that's what God promised.
8: The end.
7: That was great, kids. Thank you so much for your help. That is so cool,
6: Kellen. You don't actually have to see something to believe in it. Guess right, which means you
7: don't have to wear these anymore. Oh, yeah. True. We can have faith in God just by reading about people from the past. Or there are even things we can see today that can help us believe in God. Such as? Well, maybe you can see God in things he's created. Or you can see how God works in the lives of people around you. That's true. Thanks, Kellen. No problem. I'll catch you guys next time. Okay. And I'll see you then.
6: Okay. You know, I believe in things I can't see all the time. You do? Yeah, like air. Can't see it? Believe in it, though. Oh. What? Nothing. I just uh, expected you to say something like leprechauns. Why would I say something like that? No reason. Do do, do you know something I don't know, Brandon? Wait, are leprechauns? Are leprechauns real? Are leprechauns real? Reveal the question! What are things you believe that you can't see? You got anything? I don't know. Maybe maybe leprechauns. Okay. What about you? What are things you believe that you can't see? Is it germs? Uh, radio waves? Or something else? Uh, talk about it together. Yeah, i got to find one because they'll lead me to their pot of yeah. marshmallows or whatever. Uh, there are no such thing as leprechauns. Yeah, yeah, what it is it? The, there, there's blue diamonds, orange stars, green clovers, purple stones. Okay, that was the So-and-so show, folks. Goodbye. Yeah, good, good, fade Come here, little leprechaun. Steep space. Oh, dark matter, dark matter. They think dark matter exists. It's the binding material in the universe, a a tooth cavity.
9: How are you guys this morning? I'm going to try using this mic instead. Okay. So um, in our video, they were talking about one really important word, something that you can't see, but you know it's there. Did you all hear what it was? Starts with the letter F. Something that you can't see, but you know that it's there. Okay, focus. All right. So that is our theme because we're going to be taking a closer look. Anybody else? It does start with the letter F. Yes. It is something that God asks us to have. Okay, forgiveness. Yes. Faith. That's it. So. What we're going to do is we are going to um, be looking at that all month, like what it means to have faith. Um, And I wrote these words down. Um, Faith is important. Faith changes the way that we live our lives, the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we think about God. It's also the way that we treat others. Um, Our faith is sort of like binoculars. So what do you think these binoculars help people do? See, So like if I am Looking through them What am I going to be able to see Do you think I can see what time it is On Scott's watch I know that he's wearing a black watch I can see it He's got something in his right hand I can see that all the way from up here Oh and I can see Kim I see her Hold up fingers Kim is four? Two, one. Okay, so um, our faith reminds us that we can trust God. So even though we can't see faith, it is something that when we trust God, we don't need to actually see it. We see the things that are around us. And we see the work of all of the people that are around us. And so um, our story today that they were talking about um that we're going to get to in just a minute was talking about how they had to trust in god even though they couldn't necessarily see him they didn't really know the bigger picture they just knew they wanted to be a part of god's story so around this room i've got little pearls hidden i'm going to give you one minute to go find they're all over i will say on the stage just so really quickly before you start I kind of put them, like, from here through there. So it's not, like, up, up on the stage. All right, are you ready? One minute. Find as many as you can and bring them to me. Go. Yep, they might even be on the sides over here. They might be in the back. You may have gotten all the ones up here. You can even look next to some of the chairs unless somebody kicked them. I know this is a random number, but I had 31. They um, broke off of my bracelet, so that's what I had. (laughs) All right, 10, 9, 8, 7, Six, five, I'm going slower. Four, hold on. Three, two, one. All right, come stand up here. Kind of still keep your distance from each other. And then just hold your hands out like this. I'm gonna count where I can see you. Kind of from a distance if you can, please. All right, so two, one, six. Eight, three, two, five. All right, so you're our winner. Very good. Now, did y'all know those were there this whole time?
8: (laughs) Yeah. How did you know? We saw you put them down.
9: Well, I put them down because somebody picked them up, so I was trying to, like, I hid those, like, way earlier this morning. So did you see them when you first came in, though? You did not. So the only reason you saw them is if you just happened to spot one. But did you see all of them? You didn't. Okay? All right, so y'all can just come put all the little pearls right here. Okay, I'll grab it. Thank you. All right, so we do have, um, that was our Go Seek game. Um, so it wasn't really Hide and Seek. I already hid them. Um, our next thing that's going to be up here is, should be our... Um, what faith is? All right, so let's say that one together. Faith, trusting in what you can't see because of what you can see. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? Let's say it again. Faith, trusting in what you can't see because of what you can see. So here are some examples that I came up with. So let's think about these lights that are on. How did you know that when we flip the switch, how do we know that those lights are going to come on? Because of electricity. But how do you know? They usually work, right? And sometimes when you flip the switch and nothing happens, what do we assume? It's broken. Power's out. Is maybe the bulb has gone out? Okay. Um, what about the chairs you're sitting in? How do you know that those are going to hold you when you sit down? Because you've sat in them before, that's for sure. What, what if you sat in a chair and it didn't hold you and you fell? Would you want to keep getting in that chair? You would not. Okay, so that is having faith. Here's one more that I think your parents will appreciate. How do you know that your parents love you? What are some things that they do that let you know, even, even if they never said it, how would you know? OK, so they make your birthday very special, yes. They take care of you. How do they take care of you? Okay. So um, for those of you at home, she's saying they support you and they, um, like, give you food. They give you shelter. All right. Emma? They tell you to keep going when things get hard. Awesome. How do you know? Okay, so they give you shelter, they just do things for you, right? All right, one more. The way that they look at you, even. can. Can you tell when they are angry at you that they still love you, though, even though their look may be like, don't even think about it? But that's because they're disciplining you. So imagine you know, you have faith that your parents love you. You have faith that when you sit in that chair, it's going to hold you. You have faith that when we turn the lights on, they're going to work. Yes, ma'am. A trust fall. Trusting that someone behind you is going to catch you. You have faith in that. And so in our Bible, um, what they were talking about in the video comes from Hebrews 11, chapter, or chapter 11, verse 1. That is our memory verse. So if y'all will say that with me. Now, faith is confidence. Y'all say that word, confidence. And what we hope for and what's that word? Assurance, good, about what we do not see. All right, so let's say that one again. Now, faith is confidence and what we hope for and assurance about good. Okay, so that that is kind of cool because this is actually where our story comes from. And so the author of this book, um, they actually don't know exactly who wrote it. They have some thoughts and some theories on it. Um, But the writer wants to remind the people that he's talking to and addressing, he wants to remind them of something. And who, did y'all remember who the first person was? If you'll put that pic, that first picture up. It's kind of blurry, isn't it? It's not really in focus. Is there something that could help us maybe see it better? Okay, so let's see. Somebody who had faith... Does anybody know who that is? It's Abraham. And what did, did you get it right? So what did the video talk about with Abraham? Yeah, and so they continued to multiply. They had faith and they trusted. So even though Abraham may, didn't really know exactly what was going to happen, when he was asked to leave his people and travel and bring his family with him, he did it. He had faith. Um, our next person, if you'll put that up there, it talked about this person and they pretty much like had one set of life that they could have led if they would have stayed at this home, but their life completely changed when they had to go somewhere else? Moses, let's see. Is it? It is. It's Moses, and what is he doing right there? Parting the sea, that's right. And so, if you guys... I mean, I think about this all the time. If you were standing at a sea and your enemies are running behind you and God's like, part the water, would you believe that? Would you have enough faith to say, okay, I'm going to trust you, God, and go through? Okay, so then as you're about halfway across and you're seeing the water parted, would you still have faith? Or are you going to be afraid that the water going to come down on you? Because I'm pretty sure some of the people that were there were terrified. They were scared. They were overwhelmed, just like how we get. But Moses had faith. And so because Moses had faith, it helped rescue his people. All right, let's see who our next person is. Oh, that one's a really hard one. Can you all tell who that is? This is somebody who really had to have faith because somebody was trying to kill him constantly. Well, Saul was the one trying to kill him. Who is it? Let's see. He had faith. It is. It's David. And so David had faith. And look what God did for him. He made him become what? King. I mean, the um, book of Hebrews, the whole chapter, guys, it just keeps going and going and going and going. And, of course... There's one super-duper important person that they kept waiting on. All of these people, they kept waiting and waiting. Who do y'all think they were waiting on? I don't know. It says that these were all condemned for their faith, yet none of them received what God had promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So they never even received what God had promised. But they still continue to trust God and follow him and have, what's the F word? Faith. So who is it that they're waiting on? Do you all know? Jesus, because he was going to be the rescuer. So let's see who that next picture is. Who do you all think that is? Let's see. Ah, <gasps> It is. All right, and so he finally came, and what did the people do to him? Some, some did praise him. Some, some of them did what? Think about all of the religious people. What did they do to Jesus? They killed him. And so when we think about it being, him being killed, do we think about this clear picture or do we think about a, another blurry picture? He's dead. Yeah, so when we look, If we get a little bit closer, we can see that what happened to him. He didn't stay dead, did he? And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, Peter and John and how after Jesus had died and went to heaven and was resurrected or resurrected and then went to heaven. Um, So this next picture is super blurry of, who do you all think that is? I just said him. Two disciples, one's a P and one's a J- Peter and John. And so Peter and John, although they didn't really understand everything, what did they have? They had faith. They had faith that they could do the mission that Jesus had left for them. And so um, the book of Hebrews, like I said, it just goes on and on and on In fact, the author of Hebrews, if you all go back and look at chapter 11, this is basically what he says. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson. He just starts naming all of these people. And he just keeps going on and on about all of these people. Um, And so um, one of the things that I just want to kind of close out with, and then we're going to do another little activity, is that even though we can't see Jesus, because like, do I see him standing next to me? Do you see him around your house? Do you see him around your room? You can't see him. And so our next little thing says that you can know Jesus even though you've never seen him. How do we know that? In our hearts? God's word. Yeah, it tells us. It tells us to have faith that he is who he says he is. Just like when you trust that you're going to sit in that chair and it's going to hold you, you should have even more faith that Jesus is who he says he is and you can know him even though you can't see him. And a couple of, um, like basically last month, what did we talk about will help us? Also, it was a gift. What was that gift that Jesus left for us? The Holy Spirit. Right. All right, so um, you know that Jesus, even though you can't see him, the Old Testament, all of those men and women that we were talking about, that Hebrews talks about, um, they were looking forward in faith. And now we are looking what? If they're looking forward, what are we looking? Back. Because Jesus has already died. So we're looking back in faith. Um, and then God is not finished with the story. It's just basically from creation all the way to now is his story. And tomorrow, guess what? It'll be part of his story and the next day and the next day and the next day. Um, would anybody like to close out in prayer and then I am going to do have a little one more little activity for you. Anybody? Nope okay, I will. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for um, the opportunity to be here and just to learn more about your word. Thank you for the book of Hebrews. And dear Lord, it's not important who wrote it, but dear Lord, that it is your words. And we just thank you so much that um, whoever it is reminded us that there were so many um, people who followed God and they just trusted, even though it was really hard and it was difficult. Dear Lord, help us to remember that. Help us to look back at all of the heroes of the Bible and know that they did go through hardships. They were overwhelmed. Sometimes they were scared. And dear Lord, during this time where there is a lot of craziness going on, we just pray that we would have faith to know that you are working in our lives and you're working in the lives of this world and everything. Um, And we just thank you so much for... Um, just sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. Sending and leaving the Holy Spirit here for us. Just on behalf of everything that you have done for us. We just thank you and we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so our last activity. I've got a lot of tools in here that do things. So like you saw my binoculars. So what do the glasses do? Help you see things better. Not me though, because these aren't mine. They help my mom probably see better. What about this? Does this help us see better? No. Y'all even know what that is? Yeah. All right, what about this? What does this help us do? Measure things? Does it help us see better? No. Does this help us see better? That kind of feels good. Um, what about a stapler? Does that help us see better? But it has its job, right? has an important job. Um, what about the spoon? Doesn't help us see any better? Are you sure? No? It, yeah, I guess it would. It would kind of blind me where I couldn't see at all. Um, what about a flashlight? Does that help us see? It's not that bright. Is it that bright? Oh my goodness. It does help us see in the dark. Um, What about scissors? They help us see? No, but do they have an important job? They do. Um, Let's see what else. Oh. What do these help us see? Things that's super small, but kind of close up. Because like if I hold this really far out, I really can't see back there any better than I can just by looking at it. So this is mostly for things that are super small that are close up. You can see it. Do I look weird? What about this candle? What does that help us do? Yeah, so the other day I had Um, some candles that I was about to get rid of because I didn't really want them and I've never burned them. And my mom's like, don't throw those away because you never know when the electricity might go out and you need to see. Um, What about this rubber band? No? I guess I could see through it, but it's not really going to help me see. What about this? Ooh. What is this? Telescope? I found this upstairs and I thought, oh, that kind of helps me see. Let's see. Yes, I can see you guys. Yes, it's a little blurry, but I can still see you. All right, and then I have another little magnifying glass. This one was pretty cool. That's y'all's, isn't it? All right, so here's our last activity. I've got all these tools and I have a couple more. Well, just one more little binder clip, have all these tools that can help you guys with this last activity. So, these are some memory verses that go along with basically our story today. And there, we'll probably do these every week. All right, who wants to come up here and say it for us? you got to come speak in the mic so everybody at home can hear you. All right, Christine. Can you read that? Is there a problem? Uh, kinda. Oh, there's a problem. What's the problem? Tell everybody at home what the problem is. Or in here.
8: They're too small.
9: Come up here a little bit. The words are too small. Too small. Can you find a tool up here that will help you? Mmm. Now let's see if you can read it. We we live by faith. Not by sight. And that comes from Second, Second Corinthians, Corinthians
0: 5.7.
9: Good. Can you say it one more time?
0: We live by
9: faith.
0: Wait. Yeah. We live by faith,
8: not by sight.
9: sight. Yeah. Second so we live by faith. So we don't need, like we were saying earlier, we don't need to see Jesus to know that he's real and that he's there and he wants to help us. All right, so she's already used this one. So we can't use that again. See if you can find a tool that will help you read our next Bible verse. Can Can you really? Come up here and say it for us.
0: I have good eyesight. Okay. Your word is a lamp, and to my feet. And a light into my path. Psalms 119 through 105.
9: Very good. Got great eyes, girl. (laughs) I made that um, print three. I was like, yeah, I can't read that. I got old eyes, though. All right. I've got another memory verse. I'm going to need two volunteers. Do y'all want to both volunteer? I need one person to hold it and another person to read it. He's going to hold it. Okay, so you're gonna hold it way back here. Can you see that from there?
0: Uh no. Hmm. Perfect. I don't know. Find a
9: tool that will help you. Can you see it now? It's kinda hard to see. That tool is helping you. It's not. It's not. Come, up, come a little bit closer. Maybe I put him too far away.
0: Yeah, it's all blurry in this.
9: It's all blurry? What about this? Oh.
0: That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still blurry. It's still blurry. Scoot up just
9: a little bit more. It could be the light behind it too. Like see. all right the Lord himself goes before you and will be, will will be with you. you can you see it yeah. try it try squinting yeah close your right eye Here, read it in front of you. Uh-huh. I know it's kinda hard to see. It was. All right, speaking to the mic.
0: Do not be discouraged.
9: All right, start over. The Lord,
0: the Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do you no, it be discouraged. Den- De-
9: Deuteronomy?
0: Deuteronomy thir- 31
9: 8. Did you hear that? He goes before you. So wherever you think you're about to have problems, he's already there. We just have to have what? Faith. All right, one more. We'll try it, see if anybody else can see through this. You may have to use the binoculars. I'll let you all come pick which tool you want. One of you hold it, and the other one go a little further away. Emma will find something for you to do. you see it? Um. Come up with just a little bit. Try this. I, I feel like I see better with that one.
8: That just makes it harder.
9: There you go. Now put your, see if you can see it.
8: That makes it really hard. It's so blurry.
9: Try squinting the eye you're looking through.
8: That just makes it even blurry.
9: (laughs) I wonder if it's because my eyes are so bad that this really just helps me. Yeah, try the binoculars and see.
10: So blurry.
9: Oh, I gotta find her first. It's too close. I definitely think it's the sun coming in from behind. Thanks. No, close the door. <laughs> not block it, silly girl. Oh, my goodness. I love you guys. Let's see. Okay, see if you can see that.
10: That's still really blurry.
9: (laughs) Okay, here, try it without. Okay. The Lord is my light and my salvation. It's, it's my old eyes. Keep going.
0: The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalms twenty seven one. Very good.
9: All right. You guys have such good eyes. All right. So I hope you enjoyed today. Um, so just so you all know, the whole month, this is what we're going to be talking about, is focusing and taking a closer look, having faith. Um, Next week, we will see another Bible hero, one that we haven't talked about, um, and I'm super excited, so I hope you guys are here. Thank you, guys. Bye.